Welcome to Crossview Radio, a weekly podcast for Wayne County. I'm John Marino, pastor of Crossview Church in Orville. We exist to glorify God by exalting Christ and magnifying the gospel for the joy of all nations. We are uh, joined here today by a special guest, uh, someone who I've had a chance to meet here uh, in the Ohio area in the last uh, couple months. And uh, many of you may realize, uh, especially those of you here in Wayne County, that uh, we have a large number of uh, Amish in uh, in our community. Uh, particularly, uh, we have uh, a lot more uh, down in uh, Holmes County, but also Wayne County, and really spread out throughout Northeast Ohio. And uh, so, in light of that, we're going to talk a little bit about the Amish community. And we're joined today by uh, Joe Kime who is the executive director and founder at Mission to Amish People. And uh, I recently had the opportunity to meet Joe and to see their facility in uh, in Savannah, Ohio. And so just want to say, Joe, uh, welcome and thank you for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you for having me, John. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here and uh, be part of the ministry there that you have in Orville. Yeah, so grateful for um, you know what you guys have done and uh, what you're doing to reach the Amish community. I think in a lot of ways, the Amish community really is um, uh, ignored in large part by uh, by people. We don't know what's going on there, and uh, and we're close to them and have uh, a lot of opportunities to interact. But as we get started, Joe, I'd like you to maybe just to tell us a little bit about your background and uh, what motivated you to uh, to start this ministry. Okay, well. I was born and raised Amish, Old Order Amish, here in Ashland, Ohio, and um, then uh, got saved in 1985, which was not uh, something that uh, the church preached, but I learned from an outside uh, source that uh, Christ uh, is the only way. I understood grace for the first time. And um, it changed my life radically. That was in 1985. And um, in 1987, I left the Amish with my wife. We had uh, gotten married and uh, were married for about nine months and then left and got involved in a church here in Savannah, just a local church where Mm -hmm. we have ministered out of for about 30 years now. But in 1999, I, uh, the, Lord, the Lord just really burdened me to go back to our people. Uh, up until that point, it had been about 15 years since we had left, and, and I was sort of like Jonah. I was running from them. Um, they had excommunicated us. They, they shunned us, and uh, we, we kind of ran. We kind of did our own thing, but... Uh, that was 1999, and by 2001, we had uh, raised enough funds as a missionary couple, family, uh, that we went full-time. And so we have been in this ministry for 18 years now. Tell us a little bit about uh, primarily what um, uh, Mission to Amish People does. What What is, what is the, the daily happenings there? We have a threefold purpose. Uh, number one is evangelizing and discipling Amish people and former Amish. And so much of what we do falls under those two um, types of ministries. Uh, we do send Bible lessons out. There are correspondence Bible lessons that go all over the country. Mm-hmm. Last year, we sent out over 98,000 Bible lessons. Mm-hmm. And from that, we received over 
uh, well, right around 300 salvation decisions uh, in the mail. And, and then we do a publication called The Amish Voice that goes out to 8,000 Amish families. And, uh, and, of course, we do a lot of uh, one-on-one discipleship and evangelism. And uh, so, so number one, evangelism and discipleship. And number two, uh, help those who leave the Amish transition uh, from their old culture to the American or English culture. And, uh, of course, the ones that we help the most are the ones that come from a more conservative background, more legalistic backgrounds, and have a hard time transitioning. Uh, we help them with uh, various documents and, and uh, so forth. And then number three, uh, just go to churches and uh, speak, and we've done that to uh, you know, spoken in hundreds of churches since uh, the year 2000. T- tell me a little bit um, about uh, what's going on. I know, so so you guys right there on site, uh, in, in reference to really your second purpose there is you have, I know, seen you've got classes there and things where maybe Social Security, you know, information and, and just trying to help them with the basics of um, of life there. But there's something else going on at that location, you guys have just opened um, or are about to open New Beginnings Homestead. Is that correct? We are. We have been uh, raising uh, funds for about three years now and have reached our goal of 350000 And um, uh, the building process is coming pretty close to an end. Um, mm-hmm. We The flooring is all down. And, and what is a, what New Beginnings a homestead is, is it's a three apartment house. Uh, and uh, upstairs and downstairs, we are able to take in up to eight Amish girls who have left and uh, bring them in and uh, just mentor them and, and help them with, you know, you mentioned um, like birth records, mm-hmm. uh, social security numbers, and driver's license, um, GEDs. We we do GED classes here, and uh, and just a number of other things. But that's what uh, New Beginnings yeah. will be about. And then you have actually right there a uh, bulk food store where they can work uh, while they're there. And I think that just that's what just opened. Is that right? That opened in March. Okay, uh, just just about uh, less than a month ago. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Great. Um, let's talk a little bit, Joe, about um, just the Amish way of life, and maybe just just briefly uh, share with us. You know, what's the difference between Amish and Mennonite? Uh, why is it that they live such um, from from our perspective a sheltered lifestyle? Um, what's going on in their entire way of life there? Well, uh, the Amish come from the Reformation that took place in Switzerland back in the 1500s. And so over the years, there were a number of splits. Uh, Originally, you had the Mennonites, you had the Quakers, and the Hutterites. Those were sort of the three major uh, groups that came out of the Anabaptist and Reformation back uh, in Martin Luther's day. And it wasn't until about 1690 that a man named Jacob Amon uh, was part of the Mennonite Church and was not seeing or agreeing with the leadership. 
And so he split off of the Mennonite church, and this all took place over in Switzerland, Germany area. And uh, he split off. Um, They became known as the Amish people, and it wasn't until 1723 that the first Amish people got on the adventure and sailed across the waters to America. And, uh, of course, um, the groups have, uh, at one point, there wasn't all that much difference. If you go back to Switzerland, you won't even know the difference between those that are Mennonite and those who are, you know, would not be Mennonite. But over here in America, they have sort of stood their ground, and Mm -hmm. particularly in the last 50 to 100 years when technology has become more of a reality and uh, they've been able to, you know, <laughs> kind of set set apart. I mean, one of the, the things that they trust as far as their uh, um, salvation goes is to be separate from mm-hmm. the world. That separation is all it's all outward appearance, so it, it's a big deal. They, yeah. they make a big deal of it. When I uh, when I engage people in gospel conversations, there are really kind of two big veins of thought that I have uh, th- that I want to come out in the conversation. One of those is surrounded uh, surrounded around this word authority, and the other one is the doctrine of salvation. So, in other words, I want to know uh, what this person, whoever I'm sharing Christ with, I want to know what they believe is authoritative. Where can they go to find truth? And then I also want to know, uh, secondly, how can they be right with God, or how do they understand that they can be right with God? And so the same thing is true when I uh, look at the Amish community, is I'm engaging them in conversation, and as we as Christians are sharing Christ with uh, with with them, um, I want to know those things as I go into the conversation so I can be better equipped. So could you maybe share a little bit, um, particularly this first uh, part here, what's authoritative for an Amish person? Where do they go to find truth? Where do they go to find what's right and what's wrong? Well, there are many different types of Amish, uh, maybe as many as 40. Um, Now, um, although... They have one thing in common. You know, there, there's many different types, and, and they vary from very, very legalistic to uh, open-minded, more spiritual, and preaching the gospel. Mm-hmm. And then you have everything in between. But the one thing that they all have in common is is this ordinance letter. Mm-hmm. And this ordinance letter varies in length, of course, in detail. In my home community, I come from an, an old order Amish church, which uh, when you compare our old order with the old order in Holmes County, we would have been considered the old, old order. That's okay. how we actually looked at ourselves. <laughs> and so our our ordinance letter was very detailed. When it came okay. to clothing and, and Bucky style and and just the everyday life, it was all spelled out on this ordinance letter. It was uh, sort of the standard. It was the go-to. It was, um, I often say, you could have pulled the Bible out from under the Amish church, yeah. and they would not have known that anything happened. But if you ever pulled this ordinance letter out yeah. from under the church, it would have crumbled. Hmm. Wow. Now, each Amish community 
has its own ordinance letter. Is that right? Centered around uh, a bishop? That's right. Yeah. They all have their own ordinance letter and it varies a little bit. And, you know, you might have this, like, I'll give you an example. Uh, We fellowshiped with another old order Amish church. They had the chainsaw. We were not allowed to have the chainsaw. Mm -hmm. Uh, And this was a big difference. You know, to most people, having a chainsaw or not having one is not a big deal. But to us, that was the big separation. Um, But it wasn't so big that uh, we we weren't able to fellowship together. And so we had marriages that, that, you know, went back and forth. And, uh, uh, but then, then at a certain point though, uh, I mean, um, particularly when you get into like the new order and the beachy Amish, uh, then, then there was no connection of fellowship there. Mm-hmm. We would not have been able to marry into their, their group. Now they could have married into our group if they would have became one of us. So, um, with this whole idea of, you know, the ordinance letter, what's authoritative, what's not authoritative, um, we, we had been talking previously a little bit about this, um, but Matthew sixteen nineteen is a verse that um, I think sometimes is taken out of, out of context. Obviously, uh, the Roman Catholic Church does this, but also the Amish community as well, where uh, Jesus says uh, to, uh, to Peter, he says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Um, how does the Amish community take that uh, that verse and really kind of d- distort it almost in their just everyday life ordinance letter? Uh, what's authoritative? All those kinds of things. Yeah, and 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 so this ordinance letter that is um, that every church has is made up of many different rules mm-hmm. and the Amish church has always believed that that the church has the power to establish whatever guidelines they mm-hmm. they feel uh, a need to and as they establish that guideline or that rule on earth it is immediately carried out in heaven mm-hmm. and so when the outside law clashes with one of their laws, their law always wins, mm-hmm. even if it means going to prison. Mm-hmm. And, and this has happened a few times where Amish people have literally, uh, you know, they, first of all, they've refused to pay the fine, and then they end up in jail over like something as simple as a, a triangle on a buggy, a slow-moving vehicle wow. uh, fine. Yeah. So that so they're taking this verse in Matthew, and that's really giving them kind of the um, the the credibility they need, essentially, to say the church now um, is authoritative. The church says what's right and wrong, and um, really, in my mind, removes the, the the doctrine of this idea of scripture alone is authoritative for the Christian which is fascinating to me. Um, yeah. And that also, and this goes back to another thing that we've had talked about in the past as well, uh, but different Amish communities with different um, rules and regulations, there's almost a, a cultural relativism, I think, that comes out in these communities. This is, you know, correct me kind of here a little bit in my thinking, but the, the conversation that we had was something along the lines of, well, 
if 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 one uh, if you point out to one Amish community, well, you know this is wrong or or whatever, or look at what your community did in the past, they would just dismiss that and say, well, that's what God had for them at that time with that ordinance letter, and this is what God has with us at this time with this ordinance letter, and there's really this relativism that's really permeated uh, their culture where they're not even wanting to be held accountable to uh, anything outside of their ordinance letter. Is that true as well? Yeah, it is. It really is. And I I, I mean, uh, in our Amish community, I recently heard a message given by Joseph Graper, uh, and he has uh, he's done a lot to help the former Amish understand the importance in, uh, of, of, you know, the ground at the cross is level. But when we, we came out of, uh, say, our little community, and, and we kind of lived on this hill, and this was our community, this, uh, and if you really wanted to be right with God, you had to live on our hill. Mm. We were the closest of any Amish community in the world. Mm. Now, Joseph explains how that his father, at a, when he was a young uh, boy, moved from one community to another and there was just a little bit of difference in this other community. They were allowed to have the bicycles, which they were not allowed to before. And this immediately created another hill. And now suddenly this hill became the standard. And everybody, all the other little communities around them were just a little bit off, hmm. you know. And, and that's the mindset that these these Amish communities have. Yeah. This... uh the next thing that I want to, to talk about here a little bit is, and, and I think in some ways is difficult to answer because of how how much diversity exists within the Amish community regarding uh, their theology. But with regard to the, the doctrine of salvation, could you give maybe just a, a brief overview? We talked about authority a little bit. Can you give a brief overview of uh, their view of salvation, how they can be right with God? Well, the first thing, I mean, I, I think of, um, when I'm asked that question, I think of the, the person that is laying in the coffin, and he is set down in the midst of the congregation, and they are having their last service. And these are some of the things that will come out in that, in that service. We believe this man or this woman is most likely with God because, they were in right standing with the church. So that is number one. Now, what, what does right standing with the church look like? Well, uh, first of all, separated from the world. Second of all, baptized into the Amish church and following the ordinance letter. And, 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 and parental obedience is, is a big one. So these are all things. If this person did it just right and they were still dressed in their Amish clothes at the time they were, uh, they passed away, uh, then there's a very good chance that this person is in heaven. Hmm. And so it's very much a, a works-based uh, form of salvation. In fact, the way you said it there, there's a good chance. In other words, there's still some doubt there. Uh, even in that, and uh, do they understand the the idea of you know salvation by faith alone, uh, grace alone, Christ alone? Is that an understanding in the community or no? Um, 
the community that I came from, and, and I'm going to say the majority, the majority, some would disagree with me, but I have been to enough communities that I can say this with confidence. The, the majority of the Amish communities in the United States do not understand salvation by grace alone and faith yeah. alone, but there are some mm-hmm. that do. And so I cannot put them all in that, sure. you know, category. Sure. Um, but but our mindset, I, I tell you, John, our mindset was we we realized we were not perfect. Only God is perfect, mm-hmm. and we realized that that we weren't. And so we were taught that we would do the best that we could, and hopefully we could reach reach at least eighty percent perfection. Uh, but whatever it was that we couldn't reach, that's where Jesus would fill in and and finish that that part we couldn't reach a hundred percent of. Yeah, that that's that's fascinating because that I mean, as we know, goes um, against even uh, Philippians chapter three and verse nine, where Paul clearly says, you know, that he um, has a righteousness not his own, you know, that it's entirely the righteousness of Christ, and. Um, you know, whereas you're saying with the Amish community, it's like, you know, we'll get, you know, partway there and then whatever we can't make, you know, in our own self-effort, Jesus can make up the difference um, mm-hmm. for that, which is obviously totally um, in contradiction to uh, to what uh, Scripture teaches. So I think that's one thing uh, we ought to keep in mind as we engage those in the Amish community is just understanding that. And like you said, not a hundred percent, but, but most of the time, uh, this idea of work salvation, bringing them back to, uh, to what the gospel is. Let me ask this question, um, and maybe kind of transition a little bit here from the doctrine and theology to just practical ways to engage the Amish community. Um, what are some ways, you know, we are um, in Wayne County here in Orville. Um, I know I've got an Amish buggy that goes by my house probably once every month or two. We'll see one go by. Um, and, uh, you know, we're down in Holmes County a lot. But can you just share a little bit? Uh, how can we maybe increase our contact with the Amish community? And how can we build redemptive relationships? How can we break social boundaries? What do we bring up in conversation? Maybe that's, you know, a lot of questions, but I mean, how can we begin to build relationships with this community? There are three ways to connect with your Amish community. The first one is through the postal service. The second one is simply face-to-face. And the third one is is through former Amish. Uh, so those are three different ways that we reach into the Amish community. And I guess I would like to start with the first one, mm-hmm. postal service. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, and, and if you think about it, uh, the Amish, uh, nowadays, so many of them have cell phones, smartphones, actually. Yeah. And uh, you, you, can't, you can't really say they're completely cut off from the outside world because the phone is really bringing the Amish community um, to their knees in a lot of different areas. But, but still, uh, y- you wouldn't walk into an Amish home normally and see Internet or, or TV or radio or any outside connection. And so when we went into the ministry back in 2000, I, I said, you know, we have to learn how to use the mailbox. And... Um, as uh, we have learned to, you know, different publications, Bible studies, and, and I've heard people sending out 
Bibles, uh, uh, sermons, and and books and literature and whatever uh, that they they have a uh, like a database of addresses that they will send to, and when that Amish person gets that piece of literature, they have the opportunity to sit down before they go to bed at night and you know pull it up, read it, and and that is how we are reaching a lot of Amish mm-hmm. people right now. Um, and, and as far as I'm concerned, it's the best way because they don't feel. Um, Targeted, I guess, would be a good sure. word. If you, if you walk to their house and you don't have much of a relationship and you begin to share the gospel with them, they're going to uh, immediately put their guard up. Mm-hmm. But if you're not around and they have your piece of literature, they're, they're going to feel less threatened. Yeah, we have uh, a number of... Um addresses even in our own community and this is something that we hope to do a little bit later this year but we just want to uh try to send a bible to um you know hopefully every address on that list uh in in that in our community of orville at least and be able to reach out to them that way and hopefully that will generate some uh redemptive relationships as well so you mentioned uh, a couple others as well face-to-face and former amish yeah, uh, face-to-face, um, one of the, probably the best way that you can really spend time with an Amish person, get to know them, and gain their trust is by providing taxi service. Okay. Uh, many of the Amish really depend on their neighbors and, uh, um, and, and English friends to come around and pick them up and take them somewhere. And so you're sitting there in the car, you're going somewhere. And that, that's the time to sure. establish a connection. And, and, and I, I, I will say this, I think this is the right time to share this. Uh, when you are sitting in that car and you have time together, uh, be careful not to preach to them, but mm-hmm. ask questions because and, and maybe maybe this will come later on in the interview, but uh, asking questions will get you a whole mm-hmm. lot further than beginning to preach what you believe. You know, and and I always say just just be friendly, just be yourself, be authentic, and you know, don't worry about the questions. You know, you, you're just uh, take this the right way. But I'm just a dumb Englishman, and I don't know what you believe as Amish <laughs> people. Can you just tell me what sure. you believe? Yeah. You know, yeah. and and just act dumb, and and you know, they'll sit there and they'll tell you, they'll want to tell you. And I think that's a, that's a good exercise in humility for us too, because. As, as we've already alluded to here, you can't necessarily say 100% of Amish people believe in X, Y, and Z. And so uh, asking them those kinds of questions about what do you believe gives an opportunity for you to say, okay, well, maybe this, you know, this individual is not quite in you know, the mold of what uh, the majority of them are or, or whatnot. Um, and so that gives an opportunity. In fact, I, I think that's a great way and sharing the gospel with anyone is to ask a lot of questions to find out what they believe. And then you could take scripture and say, okay, this is where the Bible addresses this and this and this. And of course that assumes that we know our own Bibles as well as we engage in conversation. Yeah. Maybe I could just throw this one in to just utilize Amish businesses. Um, You know, they, they, they sell uh, all kinds of furniture and pie and Mm -hmm. eggs and noodles and, 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 
I mean, produce and, and the list goes on and on. I mean, uh, particularly down there in your area. I mean, uh, yeah. it's a great way to get in there and buy from them and get to know sure. them. Uh, anything you mentioned as well on that third one, former Amish, any particular insight on that? Um yeah, bordering every Amish community are the former Amish, and you can develop uh, relationships with them. They're already outside the box. They're mm-hmm. thinking outside the box. And so get to know them. I mean, I'll tell you, they come with their own needs, and, and, yeah. and, and I, I, you know, some of them, uh, atten- or many of them tend to flock around others who have left the Amish because they can kind of relate with one another. Yeah. But I will tell you, the ones that get connected with a non-Amish church or a non-Amish uh, uh, person uh, will go a lot further, a lot faster than someone who will hang around their own former Amish. And, and so I, I encourage English people who don't have an Amish background to get connected with them and mentor them, disciple them. And I'll tell you, uh, the more you get to know them and the more they get to know the Bible, the more they want you to go to their families and they become the doorway into the, to their families and their community. I want to ask you a question here. And I know, um, I've, uh, I think I've asked you this question a hundred times in a hundred different ways because, <laughs> you know, I, uh, what, what are the things that I, I try to do is, you know, I, I want to study about, you know, their theology and understand who they are and what they think and why they do this and why they do that. And one of the things that I've just feel like I'm coming up with is I'm coming up empty handed on just written resources that they would consider to be, you know, primary source documents, things that they would say, yeah, this is what we believe. You know, I, I don't know of any, and maybe, 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 you know, some, but I don't know of any, um, you know, Amish theologians. I don't know of an Amish systematic theology. I don't know of, you know, resources, uh, like that, that just very clearly articulate, um, you know, this is what the Amish believe. So in light of that, uh, understanding that there's not much available out there, what what is available uh, out there uh, that's being written about the Amish? Um, and maybe you could start with just, is there anything primary source document type things? Um, and then as well, I know you guys, uh, Mission Amish people, have some written resources as well, but can you just share some things that are available? Yeah, I, I, that question was asked by a man in Australia, of all places, about three years ago. And from that resulted a book where eight of us, us authors uh, wrote a doctrine uh, of the Bible. And we called the book, uh, what, do the, or, um, you know, what Do the Amish Believe?, so we have that book available. Uh, but here's the thing, and it's the wrong title. It should be uh, renamed to Do the Amish Still Believe What Their Forefathers Believed? Okay. And what we did is we took the, the 18 Articles of Faith, also known as the Dortry Confession. Uh, this was put together by the forefathers uh, way back in Switzerland. And um, to this day, 
to this day, the Amish churches will take the Dirtrick Confession, and they will go through one at a time until they've covered all 18 with those who are preparing for baptism. Now, here's the problem. Uh, I don't remember a thing that was taught. Mm -hmm. um, First of all, it was in a language that we did not understand, or it was the least understood of three languages, and it was written in German. And these these men, these preachers, would sit in a circle, and us younger ones, 17-year-olds, we would sit there, and they would go over one at a time and try to explain what this meant, uh, what each one of these Deutsche Confession statements meant. But again, the problem was we didn't understand it. And the second problem, and this was the worst one, they don't follow those. It's just tradition to go through them because you could chuck those you could throw them right out the window and and still keep going because again uh what really came out during those times of sitting around in a circle was the ordinance letter so there is a standard and it is the torture confession but the problem is uh they don't follow the truth behind the torture confession Sure. So then it ends up being primarily um, just, um, you know, from generation to generation, more of a uh, a verbal carrying that tradition on. Is that right? It really does. Yeah. Yes. Yes. It's hard to, hard to understand how that can happen, but but that's exactly what's happening. Are there are there other uh, resources? Maybe not primary uh, resources, but. Uh, things I know you mentioned the book that you guys worked on. Uh, anything else that's available um, where we can learn more about uh, Amish beliefs? We put we do Amish awareness conferences. I'm okay. getting ready to do one here uh, in two weeks of all places in Wyoming. Mm-hmm. And um, but we have this book uh, Amish of our friends, but are they believers? And what we've done is. Uh, we started out with the Anabaptist movement because really there was there's so much good rich history there, and so we do a whole session on just the Anabaptist movement. But then we go into the culture, uh, which again is so rich among the Amish um, and and so many great values that we can learn uh, from the outside. Yeah. Uh, and then we go into what the Amish believe, what legalism does, and and then how. Uh, to reach the Amish people with the gospel. So that is a great resource. We sell this book for $12. Uh, it can be, you know, people can get it online at mapministry.org. Okay. Um, and, yeah. Yeah, and that was what I was going to ask you. If there are any other questions or if people want to check it out more, um, your your website, mapministries.org, uh, is where they can go for that. So Yes. Great. Well, well, Joe, thank you so much for uh, joining us today and for talking a little bit about um, ministering to to the Amish. Again, as I alluded to at the beginning, I think this is uh, an area where uh, really we have neglected because um, it just seems like we never make contact with the Amish. We don't know what they believe, why they believe, what they're doing, why they're doing it. And so uh, I think that this is really uh, an untapped area in our own a mission field, in our own country, that mm-hmm. we have an opportunity to engage. So thank you again, Joe, for what you guys are doing and for uh, talking with us today. Yeah, thank you, John. I appreciate it very much. Yep. 
Thanks for listening to Crossview Radio. I'm John Marino, pastor of Crossview Church in Orville. We meet Sundays at 10 a.m. at the Orville YMCA. To find out more about Crossview Church, visit us online at crossvieworville.com.